Good morning, brothers and sisters, and also those joining us online, a warm welcome to you all. And if you're a visitor here this morning, it's really wonderful to have you here too. Welcome. We're here to worship our triune God, and so it's our prayer that God's name is lifted high, praised, and glorified through our worship. May all of us here be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The consistory has the following announcements. The Lord willing, the consistory, as elders and deacons, will meet tomorrow evening with the Seville Grove Steering Committee at 7.30pm. The congregation is reminded that this week, Wednesday evening, the Lord willing, there will be an update on the mission work in PNG presented by Pastor David Pohl on behalf of the Mission Board. The meeting will commence at 7.30pm in this church building. We have been advised that Reverend Abel Pohl has declined the call extended to him by the Free Reformed Church of Albany. We hope to have an impromptu coffee social after the worship service this morning to help finish over the leftover cake from yesterday's church celebrations and farewell. This morning, the worship service will be led by our Emeritus Minister, Reverend Veltman, and we welcome our brother to the pulpit. Before we commence the worship service, let's join our voices together and praise God with Psalm 92, verse 1. Three. 
Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, all that you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Only your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be a false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. The Lord Jesus Christ summarized this as follows. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments 
depends on the law and the prophets. with thy love 
Lord, we need to him, give him a blessed day. And Father, we thank thee that he may do that in the communion of saints, where we are there for one another. Lord, we confess that so often we lack true, genuine thankfulness. We may thank thee with our words, but when the daily routine of life takes over, it's not always reflected. We pray thee graciously forgive us these sins. Help us live close to thee also the daily routine of life. So that those around us can see that we live for something else than the vanities of we just did sin. For they bring no hope. And so Father, make us shining stars in a world where it becomes darker and darker. Bless us when we worship thee this morning, especially when we may reflect on thy steadfast love and faithfulness which never wavered throughout the 25 years since the institution of thy church here in Southern River. Lord, how great thou art. And may the thankfulness for this also be reflected in the songs of praise we sing and in the offerings of thanks we may give in the collections. May it all come from a true genuine, thankful heart. Lord, we pray thee for those who would have loved to be here this morning, but who for reasons of illness or other lawful reasons could not come. Remember them in thy mercy. We also pray thee for those who willfully did not come this morning. Lord, work repentance, so that these wayward children of thy may come to see they need thy word to find thy word, to find strengths, the strengths they need. And Father, we see sometimes also miracles that we with children do come home. And we thank thee for it. Lord, we need all thy children worldwide. Bless the preaching wherever it goes out today. Be with thy servants. Help them in proclaiming thy word boldly. Gracious God and Father, we lay all this before thee, asking thee to accept our thanksgiving. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we will open God's words. In the book of Psalms. Psalm 48, on which we will also focus this morning. And we will also sing this psalm in response to the reading of God's words. Psalm 48. Song. Psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth, Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made known himself as a fortress, for behold, the kings assembled, they came together, 
And as soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there, anguish as of a woman in labor. But the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As ye have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which, we, which God will establish forever. We have sought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praises raises, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad that the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her rampants, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever.
look at the whole psalm, but in particular all the few verses, namely the verses 9 and then also verse 12 through to 14. Let's just read them again. You've sought on your steadfast love of God in the midst of your temple. That we do today, looking back at 25 years of institution of, after the institution of the church in Southern Riven, we meditate on God's steadfast love. And we do that here, where we come in the presence of the Lord. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will guide us forever. So far, the text. God preserves his church and that's what we will sing of also in response to the sermon, hymn 52, the verses 1, 3 and 4. Hymn 52, the verses 1, 3 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 48 is a psalm of celebration. Celebrating Zion as God's special city. Where God dwelt among his people in the holy temple. Jerusalem, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth. You may say, is that not so about exaggerating to speak about Jerusalem this way? No, it is not. For it was not in the first place the earthly beauty that pilgrims traveling towards Jerusalem were singing of. But this was the city of the great king. God was in her palaces. Enemies had tried to capture Jerusalem the kings assembled, one thing you can think of, there are more things you can think of when you read this out, but one thing you can think of of King Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, who laid siege to Jerusalem with an army of 185,000 men. Just imagine. Army like that. Yet the angel of the Lord came and in one night they were all killed. It's God's judgment. You look at the bloodshed in the Middle East. It is happened around Jerusalem all the time. Why? I go back to Jerusalem. But why? The God is there to defend his people and his judgments on the nations. Those pilgrims had heard about it. And now they saw the tangible proof of it before them. Jerusalem, the city of God. No damage done. Thanks rises in their heart. Thanks to God who preserved the city and still dwelt amidst his people here in Jerusalem. Psalm 48 is very similar to Psalm 46 where it speaks about surrounded by mountains. Jerusalem was a city difficult to take and it was indeed true. Also, their natural events, because of their natural events, Jerusalem was a city difficult to take. But it was not these mountains that gave protection. But God was Israel's fortress, a bulwark never failing. 
This is what Israel's pilgrims are celebrating, and they are celebrating every time they travel to Jerusalem, praising God's steadfast love, and then knowing this is God, our God, forever and ever. Love, that's how we today may reflect on God's steadfast love towards his people throughout the ages, but also about God's steadfast love throughout 25 years since the institution of Christ's church here in Southern River. You know, that's that church. It's Christ is gathering already from the beginning of the world to its end. A church chosen to everlasting life. That's us. By God's grace, we are part of this worldwide church gathering work of our Savior. Beloved, never forget that. Christ's church gathering work throughout the ages. Ages. That's your story. That's my story. That's how you study the Bible. And that's how you should study also church history. This is our God. His steadfast love. By which he protected his people of old against the hostile forces. And that's how he also protects us. And he will do so. Till the end. For Article 27 of the Belsey Confession, we learn from that article, we learn that Christ is a king who can never be without subjects. What a promise. That it says the Jews may become, in the eyes of men, extinct and refuse to the time of Agen. Elijah saw a lost, lost case. And then God says, no, it's not a lost case. Five thousand who did not bow their knees before Baal. Christ has the victory. That's what church history shows. And that whenever you church, when you study church history, that, that gives reasons to, to give thanks to God. Soli Deo Gloria. All honor to God. And that's what we also do this morning. Not taking pride in ourselves, but singing praises to God. A song of praise. On God's steadfast love to its sire in the past, at present, and our hope, and on our way to the future. First of all, in the past, I already mentioned that Psalm 48 is very similar to Psalm 46, both speak in a beautiful way about God's love and faithfulness towards Jerusalem, the city where God dwelt among his people on Mount Zion on which the temple was built. Now, as far as Psalm 48 is concerned, we don't know exactly when this psalm was made. Most likely it would have been after the separation between the northern and the southern kingdom. The first four verses, first four verses we get a picture of the greatness of the Lord in making Jerusalem such a beautiful city, but also a safe city, a fortress, firm and sure. Great is God. Many a psalm sings about that. If you turn with me for a moment to Psalm 18, the first verse of Psalm 18, equally speak about the greatness of God. Psalm 18, verse 1 to 3, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. 
Psalm 48. Now, verse 4, Psalm 18 focuses more on the greatness of God. In Psalm, on the greatness of God, in Psalm 48, it focuses on God's dwelling place, Mount Zion. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth. I mentioned before, is this not somewhat exaggerating? No. Not when we think of those pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem, expressing the joy of faith as we could sing it. Great is the Lord, him greatly Lord, which in the city of our God, to him your thankful praises render. His holy mountain soars in splendor. Mount Zion in the far north, other translations read, on the side of the north. The NIV reads first to be like Zion is like the utmost heights of Zephon is Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zephon, that's, that's a reference to the Mount of the Idols. But the gods of the people considered their plans. But those plans all came to nothing. As a mountain, Zion was not all that high. Yet in Psalm 48 and other parts of Scripture, the point in question is not the actual height of the mountain, but he who lives on this mountain, the God of Israel, great in glory, our faithful, covered God who stands no comparison. That's what these pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem rejoicing. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. But beloved, what more beautiful way to begin any song of praise by praising God this way. The Lord, Yahweh, with capital letters, I am who I am. God's glorious name, eternal and faithful, always the same. Our God, forever and ever. Nothing can compare with him. Think of Israel's fault. It's often flirted with the gods among the heathen nations. Dagon, Baal, Astaroth, the gods of the Canaanites and the Philistines. Far too often they were willing be submitting themselves to them, bowing their knees before them, expecting their help, their care, their protection from these idols. Old-fashioned idol servers. We may laugh about it at times. Who would kneel for such a dumb image? But beloved, that is not love. For today's society is no different. Making idols to their own fashion after the thoughts of man, of what man thinks his deity must be. God's depending, God's depending on the will of man. In which man prides himself and thinks he's great. Be the sport, the money, sex, and you name it. The world with its idols. We have to be careful that we never flirt with these idols. Scripture says, flee from them. And then, when it comes to the first commandments, you shall serve no other gods. And then it says in Lord 34, you should not do that. For the sake of your very salvation, 
beloved German also like, we can only do this when in faith we see the greatness of God. As confessed by the author of Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, Yahweh, the unchangeable God, the God who gives promises, establishes his covenant with his people, and he never retracts any word he has spoken. And therefore with God, we are always safe. It's a picture that aspect of safety that is emphasized in Psalm 48. The city of the great king, which in her citadels, God made himself known as a fortress. In the verses 12 and 13, these pilgrims, looking at the beauty of Mount Zion, are called to walk around these cities around these towers, these ramparts, these citadels, that you may tell the next generation. Walk around Zion, not a tourist tour, not like a tourist. See how great Zion is, look at all this. No, not like that, but counting towers, ramparts, citadels. And then, every time you stop, count God's blessings, his unwavering love towards Jerusalem, his chosen nation. Humanly speaking, the existence of Zion was surely not a given. Its safety had surely not go unchallenged. Many times the city was threatened with its destruction. I mentioned that already. Sometimes the citizens were close to despair. In verse 7, we read about the ships of Tarshish that were shattered by the east winds. Now that could refer to the time of King Jehoshaphat, when he ruled over Judah. Strong armies had surrounded Jerusalem, Moab and Ammon were attacking the city. Strong army and also Jehoshaphat was scared. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. That that story is recorded. To Chronicles 20. We also read later on about the ships of Tarsus. We read first the first four verses. <coughs> to Chronicles 20, verse 1 through to 4. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are, at, are in Hesson Tamar, that is in Engedi. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed to fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And they believe that Jehoshaphat led the assembly in prayer, pleading with God to protect his people. And that pleading with what God had done in the past. He says, we are powerless, but our eyes are on thee. And they believe that a certain Levite, Jehaziel, was filled with the spirit and said, don't worry. The Lord will compete for you. You don't have to fear. Go into the battle 
But don't do that with the heaviest army. But stand the army, let the temple singers go in front. Let them praise God. He will fight you for you. Now think of this. You go into battle almost if you'd go to a wedding feast. The temple singers in front with hymns and chants. It was a new style of fighting. Praising God, they faced the enemy, but after we read that the Moab and Ammon were destroyed. The Lord kept Zion. He fought for them. Well, that's what we read in verse 9. Remember the steadfast love of God. Meditate on it in the midst of God's temple. And that's meditating. So it says, it says, we have sought. Now, that, brothers and sisters, is more than just thinking of it. Now, that's meditating. Stand still. And think about God. What he has done. And then realize, this God, you can always trust. Later on in that chapter of 2 Chronicles 20, we read that Jehoshaphat joined Hezekiah, the godless king of the kingdom of the ten tribes, in sending ships to Tarshish. But the Lord destroyed these ships. They could not go. Why? Because in making a covenant with Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat took a wicked road. But called God called him back. Again, see how God protects his Jews, not only from the outside, but also when inside certain things go wrong. And God says, you think you can do that? Why put a stop to it? Because I'm protecting my church. Our gracious God. Great in power and compassion. In wrath. Because the God, did not, God did not like that. That covenant with the king of the ten tribes. In God. In wrath. God remembered mercy. In Psalm 48, we now read that in the middle of the temple, God's people had to remember all this, meditating on it, thanking God for his steadfast love. They had to do that in the middle of the temple where the altar stood. And that points us to Christ. If for a moment you draw the line through to today, then reflecting on 25 years of church history here in Southern River, we too have nothing to boast of ourselves. By nature, brothers and sisters, we are not any better than God's people of old. I, think, I often think about it when we read the Old Testament and we think, is God never fed up with these people? Time and time again, read a book like Judges, 40 years and it was all the same again. Didn't they get it? Do we get it? Are we not the same? God's protected us. We have nothing to boast of. God's mercies were new every morning. Every Sunday we could feast on, it, on that here in God's house, praising our Lord for his love, so richly bestowed upon us, yet, but by grace alone. In the middle of the temple, around the altar from where God's mercy shines, from there the procession starts. To walk around Zion, to number her towers, and not a procession to take pride of what Jerusalem is. See how strong is this city? We will manage. A procession of thankfulness. Count 
counting in humbleness the visible signs of God's greatness. Thanking him for his faithfulness, his steadfast love, in protecting his people amid the threats and crises, crises of the past. The procession during its parents could teach their children about God's hand, ruling the world of the heathen nations to protect his church even through dangerous times. From the first point of the sermon, we learned how the Lord, through toil and tribulation, as he will sing it later, and tumult of her war, protects and preserves the church. He is faithful. He will keep his promises. The Old Testament is a great testimony of that. Let always keep that in mind when you read your Bible. It's our history, but how do you read the Old Testament? I'm sometimes afraid that we read it in an exemplary way. And, and we have to be careful that we don't do that also to our children. When you, when you talk about Bible, then think of Abram. He suffered. He, he sacrificed his own, was willing to sacrifice his own son. If we all should all that have that same strong faith as Abraham, and you come with David and Goliath, and we draw the same line, we should all have, have that strength of David and Daniel in the in the lion's den. But that's exemplary explanation of the Old Testament. This is the this is the history of God's redemption. And then when David fights Goliath. God has already much further in the history of redemption than when Abram sacrificed his son. And then you see God coming to, to the New Testament. That's how you have to read the Old Testament. Here is God. Why did he give up on his people? Why was he never saying, well, forget about it? Because in Genesis 3, he has promised the Messiah has to come. I'm working towards that. That's that. And what my people do? I am in control. That's the Old Testament. And that's how we should read it. Redemptive history, where Christ is on every page of the Bible. That's also meditating. See, what is, what is actually meditating? You take a passage and say, where does this passage now speak about Christ? What warning is there? What can I learn for that for today? See, then. Then you're busy with God's words. That's not reading the Bible and close the Bible, but meditating on it. Take time to discover this on every page of the Bible. And that not only in church services on Sunday, but something to do every day. Living around an open Bible, not only at the family table at night, during the dinner table, but also when at night. Take time for it. It helps. If you do that, that helps in praising God for his steadfast love in the past and today. It helps generally walking with God. Let's go back to these pilgrims. Walking with the children. Going around Zion. Numbering the towers. Seeing now with your own eyes the beauty of Jerusalem, but also the greatness of God. These pilgrims are urged to take good note. Consider this greatness. 
Weet je, je ziet de rempels. Goes to the citadels. Not to take pride, but praise God. With Him we are safe. Always. That becomes clear from the last verse of this psalm. Tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. So what do we do? Our, what, what do we tell our children? What do you tell your children, reflecting on 25 years of church history? It's nice to look at all these photos. It's amazing. But then you see behind these photos, God, those families, He protected us. Could God have different? Look at these photos like that. And every photo, that's God's faces. This is our God forever and ever. So that's what we should. They get, they get some somehow a picture of God. Now we are not allowed to make pictures of God. God forbids us to do so. Yet in its description, Psalm 48, like many other places in Scripture, presents us the glorious majesty of the Most High, who is at the center also of this psalm. From above, he rules this whole world throughout the history of the Old Testament and also today. And he does that for the sake of the church. That's an element that we should never forget. And then we can't understand how God is weaving together that picture. Look, let's go around the Middle East. Horrible pictures. And then some people ask you, do you believe in this God? Depends how you look at things. As far as the Holocaust was concerned, some people gave up on God. Other people turn to God. Because when you see God at work, then the Bible speaks also about God's judgments. 185,000 Assyrians. What a blessing. But God judges the nations. And that's how God is busy. If you look at Revelation, Revelation 16. That these bowls of God are poured out over this world. And you read exactly what happens today. Do you understand that? No. But I leave that to God. I put my trust in God. He is weaving together the future to come to that glorious day of Christ who is victorious. And that's how I lay also the crisis in the Middle East before God. Lord, I don't know. As a little child, I can't understand all this. But I cling to the Father. And then I have peace. This is God. Our God. Forever and ever. <coughs> so let us, let us remember that. When we read the Bible and when we look at the news. Basically, you should always read the news or look at the news. But the Bible also. They see God at work. They see that, not because you have such great eyes for that, but because God has worked faith in your heart to find peace amidst all this turmoil. For how otherwise would you be able to cope? 
Also, it's the struggle spiritually, physically, mentally, or even sometimes also spiritually. But you have a great father. He will guide us. Today we celebrate 25 years of, preservation, of the preservation of God's church here in South Africa. Only a tiny portion of time. Think about church history. And there are much older churches, so to speak. But it's not a time, time slot. But we thank God for his grace. And then we thank him also that we, by his grace, are part of that worldwide church gathering work. You are part of the church of Abraham. When God said, I will bless your offspring throughout the nations. When God said it to Abraham, he can't understand it. But you think of you and me gathering his church here in Southern River throughout the nations. Abel had no clue about Australia, but God is. And see how he fulfills his plan. He preserved us. That's church history. And that's a miracle. Nothing ours. And so let us do the same as these pilgrims of old, walk about Zion, go around, number her towers, her palaces, mark her bulwarks, and see what God has done. And then tell the next generation. Speak with them about the greatness of God. And that's the, that's the point also when it comes to the future of the church. That future process is not secured because we are such wise parents. That future is not secured because we can send our children to the John Calvin School. These are means. And we are broken vessels. You like that? I think it's all that you get when you reflect on life. See how you have failed. And you can cry. But God is mighty. He works. He works miracles. And that's God's grace. Nothing ours. We are responsible. But all glory goes to God. Look at Him. How great He is. Is our God, the last point, forever and ever, great in glory, in majesty and power. Our God. That's an incredible confession of it. Not only for today, but forever and ever. This is our God. Even if we lose everything, God is still there. That amazes me. I get this. This magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs. I say, who are we? We have everything. And these people have nothing. But they have everything. They have God. Our God. So even if we lose everything, God is still there. The creator of the heaven and earth. The gatherer and preserver of his church. Who has chosen us from eternity. This great God, says the psalmist. It's our God forever and ever. The sovereignty of God. The power of God. The glory of God. We know about it. We confess it. But we are sinners. But this God is also the God of the cross. 
that Christ died for our sins in and through Christ. It's only in and through Christ that we can confess with certainty this is our God. He cares for me. And he will care for me to the extent that not a hair can fall from my head without his will. And that's how he was there. So 25 years of history here in Southern Africa. Here in God's house, we'll count and tell, but we do it in humbleness and gratitude. Beloved, count the times that God carried you through the depths, kept you from danger, even from wandering away at times. The lustful eyes looking at vanities. How often did God not call us back? And so, that's how God preserved his church. And so, let us heed it call. Count and tell the children, this is our God. That gives comfort, encouragement, also for the future. Forever and ever. Amidst the changing of times, the turmoil of this world, God remains the same. You never have to doubt it. But a great confession to go from here. But it's only by clinging to the cross. Calvary. Without Calvary there is no hope. The author of Psalm 48 speaks about God's right hand filled with righteousness. That the right hand of God will consume unless, unless we cling to that way of deliverance which God opened through his Jesus Christ. And so, in Christ, I'm able and allowed to make that bold confession. God is my God. That's how our students who make profession of faith can, can full of confidence say, I do. Sometimes you can hardly hear that. That doesn't matter. But I was once allowed to, to lead a worship service here somewhere in the metro area. doesn't matter where. It was a girl come from outside and there she stood and said what is your answer and she almost screamed it through the church I do with all my heart that brings tears to your eyes talk about highlights you talk, talk about highlights well, that was a highlight 25 years that's how God preserved us and brothers and sisters, we can only also do so when it says that we need a guide. It says there in the last verse, let's for, for a moment still focus on that last word. He will guide us forever. A guide, you need a guide. When I was preparing a sermon, so I borrow this example. Someone else wrote, try to climb a big mountain, Mount Everest. Would you dare to tackle that on your own? You need a guide, and even if, so I don't know it, but I don't need a guide, well, you would surely go wrong. He has to show you the paths, the dangers, the treacherous ways. Well, likewise, we need a guide for the spiritual road we must travel. Scripture speaks about a narrow road. It's treacherous. Dangers are many. The world we live in. The tries us to lure us away from that straight and narrow way. 
There are not six-year-olds. Men, why you do that? Oh, this. Make life not that difficult. As long as you love the Lord, you will be okay. These are the comments Satan is whispering in our ears. You cannot see him. But he uses all his deathless plans and devices to mislead, undermine, and destroy. And then above all, he will see. That's that sinful madness that always plays up and sprung to listen to all these enticing slogans. Watch, therefore, Scripture says. Open your Bible. So do you not get lost in a world where there's so much happening? Think of the digital world. How to guide our children. How to stay personally sane. The devil is out there. How do you stay safe in a world where the opposition against God and his word will only increase? Hatred, mocking, oppression, persecution can also come here. Do we dare to walk the way pointed out in Psalm 48? We need a guide. And where do we find that guide? We say we have elders, weekly worship service, where we are led in the green castings of God's word. And indeed, these are means that God uses to guide us. But in the final analysis, this is the question. Do you lift your face? Can you honestly say that you walk with God daily as long as Enoch did? Is God your guide for all of your life? That's the crucial question. After all, he is the only one who can truly guide, preserve, encourage, and strengthen us. And brother says he can't find any better guide. All other, all other guides are false. You can find no better guide than God. He's the one who created all things. He's the God who directs all things. He's not the God who plans our lives only for a fragment. No. In every tiny detail, every breath, every heartbeat is God's work. Is that the first thing you thank God for? When you wake up in the morning? Or are you, or are you already at work and forgot if to start the day with the Lord? This is our God. In every detail. Who called us according to his purpose. And who helps us through the troubles of life. And then you can pray to him and he will give you, when you cling to him, far more than we can imagine. You have got a guide to have. He knows the dangers, the difficulties, where to travel. But he has also given you that guide in your hand. The word, God's word, in scripture called it, the armor of God, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, all these other things, we need to stand firm in the battle we have to fight. And above all, there's a sinful magnet. There's someone else that tells you as well. The Holy Spirit. And he conquers that sinful magnet. He dwells within us. We have him with him. All our days, all our nights. That's how God guides us. And then forever, 
forever, not just unto death, but over, screw our death. The last enemy we must face in life. It's perhaps the one we frighten, we are frightened of the most. Death. No one has ever gone, none of us who sits here has ever gone through it. But God says, don't worry. I'll bring you safely home. 25 years of church history in Sutherland. How do we move on from here? This morning we are reminded of God's steadfast love, like God's people of all traveling to Jerusalem, numbering the towers, considering her ramparts, and going through a citadel, each part of the city testifying in its own way to the greatness of God, the faithful God of the government, who will never forsake the work of his hands. Beloved, this God on our side, we can move on. As pilgrims on our way to the heavenly Jerusalem, assured of God's protection. Indeed, assured that we live by faith and walk with God around an open Bible, the guidance we need. May God, through His Spirit, make all of us faithful. That means cling to God, trust Him. Whatever the future may hold, if you do that in genuine love for God, thanking Him for His Savior, clinging to the work of the Spirit, then God says, by grace I brought you safe to far. By grace I'll bring you safely home. Amen.
Let's give, let's give six. The great church victorious, the church at rest. Lord, amid all the turmoil of life, we long for that day to come. And it will come. For thou art our God. Forever and ever and ever. The God of the ages, who's guided that church throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, and also the church of Salt River throughout 25 years of church history. Only a tiny bit, but thou were there every day and the same day. And Father, we could also hear that if you think what the future may hold, there's nothing to fear. For thou art there. Thou art our guide. But we also learned that you have to use that guide by opening thy words, especially also personally, to be fed every day. And then to meditate on it, to see thy greatness, Lord, counting the towers, the citadels, the ramparts. As here, Father, we look back, we see all these faces, all these pictures, but then we see behind these pictures, thy steadfast love, thou are there. May we stood around open gravesides. And Father, then we can't imagine what it means to bury a spouse or a child. But thou carried us. And here we are. Thy steadfast love. We thank thee for the service of all who have already finished the race. As we spoke about it yesterday, stone in that building that thou thou art building that each stone has its special place and that's how you remember them but then also carry on it's this cloud of witnesses surrounding us running the race with perseverance our eye on jesus christ the author and finisher of our faith and then father reflecting reflecting and we see die Amazing grace by which thou hast kept us safe thus far, but thou hast promised us also. I will be there, even throughout death, for death is no more. Christ has the victory. Therefore, by that same grace, I will also bring you safely home. Also to cling to Christ. Trust thee. It's thy plan for our life. It's thy plan also for Southern River. And Lord, and we can't always understand how thou art weaving it together. There's a little child laying our hands in the hand of thee, the Almighty God, our guide forever and ever. Lord, to thee, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bring glory. But to accept our thanksgiving and hear our prayer. 
Jesus' name. Amen. You now receive opportunity to give to the Lord your gifts of thankfulness. And after we sing this last hymn, the last hymn, hymn 83, verse 1 and 2.